It's almost fall, and Carl, that means we're going to be back at the box for the U.S. Bank Broadway series. I am excited about that. We'll talk to our special guest, John O'Brien, from the fabulous Fox about their 40th anniversary season. And then around minute 53, we'll talk about the movies we didn't see. And then around minute 56, Confess Fletch. And then around one hour and five minutes, Lynn has the theater roundup. I am going to have my dancing shoes on Tuesday for Ain't Too Proud to Beg because when I was... No, 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 Lynn, you've already messed it up. It's Ain't Too Proud. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, (laughs) Ain't Too Proud to Beg is the song. Ain't Too Proud is the play. Okay, well, it's the story of the Temptations who were my jam when I was growing up in the 60s the Motown people Smokey and the Supremes and Martha Reeves and the Vandella that was my jam and that's what all us kids were dancing to and so I am so excited about this so welcome John O'Brien and I keep blanking out on your correct title but you take charge of the productions at the Fox yeah so I oversee the Broadway booking over here so I bet that's fun it is awesome. I mean, it was not awesome during pandemic. That was uh, anti-awesome, uh, a true nightmare. But I learned a lot of new skills. Uh, but no, I mean, it's kind of my dream job. I love St. Louis. I love Broadway. So this is the best of both worlds. And you started as an intern at the at the Muni because yeah. Mike Isaacson told me that. <laughs> yeah. No, so Mike and I, I worked together. I worked with Mike as an intern. I was there for like two years in like 2014 and 2015. And it was wonderful and chaotic and sweaty and perfect. I bet. I bet it was. And so here you are at the Fox now celebrating its 40th anniversary in Mm. the refurbished Fox. Because the first movie I ever saw with my grandparents when I was seven was Pinocchio at the Fox because it was a grand movie palace back in 1962. And then uh, in the 70s, it had fallen in disrepair. Enter Leon and Mary Strauss, who were visionary and decided this grand palace needed to be refurbished, which they did. And it just so happened the summer of 1982, I was working on the copy desk at the St. Louis Globe Democrat on a special project. And at the time, the Post and the Globe and other local newspapers were in a union called the St. Louis Newspaper Guild. And after work one Friday, Mary Strauss led us on a tour of the Fox before it opened. And that was such a thrill to see the transformation inside. Uh, How beautiful that Byzantine architecture and all the colors and, and Mary being Mary, it was so opulent and gorgeous. And uh, I just remember I used to, um, when I started at the globe full-time I was one of the third string reviewers and they would give me a bunch of concerts at the Fox that were like recording artists, but they weren't like, major 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 except i did get to uh, do diana ross 
Ooh, that's a cool one. Which was very cool. And Jackson Brown, which was very cool. Yeah. So I have they... seen both of those people at the Fox. Diana Ross was the very last Bob Costas Cardinal Glennon event. Uh huh. So she was there. Yeah, this was mid '80s, so this was when she I was. I saw that was a fantastic show. Oh yeah, this is when she was still diva, <laughs> you know. Woo! Well, and then, and then she's uh, oh, she's Diana Ross. So my favorite. So I wasn't doing theater then because they had a m- main critic, but I mean I was doing the lower tier theater in town. But for King and I, starring Yul Brenner. Mm. Uh, they, uh, the, the theater review, we had an evening paper at the time, didn't last long, but he said, would you review King and I? And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) yes, I will. And this was at a time where we had to come back to the office after the show and write the review because, you know, we didn't have computers. You didn't have email, smartphones. So, um, the two there were two empty seats next to me and i was in the second row and 60 minutes was there doing an article uh, doing a piece on yul brenner and right before the show started mike wallace and his producer came running in and sat right next to me so <laughs> mike wallace <laughs> sat right next to me for the game with Yule Brenner. And of course, we all leapt to our feet for the standing O at curtain call. And he turns to me, Mike Wallace turns to me and he goes, What a show. And I went, <laughs> You know, yeah. Because so I was like, you know, 26, 27. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's my, that's my, uh, a big time that is incredible that is a really good story too thanks so here we are 40 40 years later 40 years later Mm -hmm. and it's still the grand palace yeah i mean we're so excited it's been so the theater obviously opened in the 20s but you know since it reopened it's you know presenting broadway and these world-class entertainers it's been pretty incredible so you know, this season we we want to do it big and celebrate. I mean, it's been uh, such an incredible forty years. So we're capping it off with a great season. Well, yeah, because you have some of the. I mean, besides, ain't too proud. Six, mm-hmm. which had so many Tony nominations, and uh, is is there a show, Carl, that you are particularly excited about? Hades Town, baby, Hades oh, yeah. Town. That's the next show. That's coming up faster than you think. Yeah, less than a month, which is insane. <laughs> insane. I mean, I can't believe we're starting the season on Tuesday, but um, that yeah, Hades Town is incredible. That score is next level. Grammy winning, Tony winning, Anais Mitchell is awesome. It had just opened on Broadway. I was there in May 2019, uh, the before times. <laughs> and I was seeing the prom at Longacre Theater and Hades Town had just opened right across the street and the lines were really long to get in. And I was like, what is this Hades Town? And wow. then Andre DeShields won the Tony. So right. tell us about Hades Town. Why should people go? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible show. So Tony winning show scooped up a ton of awards, direction, music, performance, design. Uh, 
it's really something special. So Aeneas Mitchell kind of put together this concept album uh, following, you know, these two kind of traditional Greek couples. You have Orpheus and Eurydice and Hades and Persephone. Uh, and I, I'll say up front, if you're, if you're not familiar with Greek mythology, that's totally cool because I was not, uh, I know nothing. Um, so uh, for people like me, you're going to be totally fine. Um, but it's basically you're kind of following these two like iconic couples and these two relationships more than anything. And the score, it won, she won a Grammy for it. She won a Tony. It's, I will say it's one of maybe my most listened to musical theater albums in recent years, just because it's so good. Well, that's high praise. That's high recommendation. I'm yeah. looking forward to it because I don't really know much. And uh, I have uh, been in a bubble, I think. And so I need to expand on that because I everybody tells me how wonderful it is. So this is exciting that we're getting it on its first national tour. Yeah, I mean, I think this is I think people are really going to like this one. Uh, Rachel Chavkin, who directed it, is so cool. <laughs> she so she did great comment on Broadway Ooh. and has done a lot of these kind of like cool, like, you know, originally staged like these shows that she stages them in these really neat ways that are not normal. Like it feels different in a really artistic, but cool, mind blowing way. So I think people are really going to get a kick out of this one. Oh, wonderful. And then Carl, anything else that you're excited about? Well, I just love going to the Fox because it's, I, I've seen so many different productions there and concerts there that it is just every time you just right before the show starts, you look up and you look at the elephants and you look at the stained glass and you look at your friends and you look for the people that you came and you can't believe that you're in such a majestic place for the things that are, you know, happening around you and are going to happen around you. And I'm, there is one thing I am dreading this year, and that is going to be the screams of the little girls when Disney. Frozen. And you're frozen. <laughs> so, other than that, yes. Well, I have oh. never seen a frozen. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry. I yeah. know you're Disney, frozen. Disney's you're... frozen. <laughs> well, when I did the Polar Express two years ago, in the before times, I keep saying this because that's when we did things, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, um, I was on the Polar Express, and they sang "Let It Go" as one of they were doing the sing along Christmas carols. And they included the the performers included "Let It Go." This little three year old, four year old girl, right sitting right next to us, knew every word <laughs> and was singing it at the top of their lungs. So I can't even imagine all the little frozen costumes that that are going to be on display because kids do dress up like when oh, yeah. yeah they dress up in the dorothy outfits and then the little mermaid outfits and the bell and so i am sure we're going to have a lot of princess um elsa and anna oh yeah i mean and we've been waiting it's tough because it's i mean this is a show that we had booked multiple times and COVID. like that's i've rebooked these seasons so many times i can't even you know 
say it's insane but we've been so excited for this one because disney just they don't miss they're so good and so i feel like this is what's cool about disney in general in this one is i think you know if you're bringing a little girl in a princess dress she's gonna love it but also if you're here for a date night girls night you know it's disney just does such a phenomenal job of telling these exciting stories and making it so theatrical and magical that you know i really think people are gonna love this well you know it's interesting that you say it's interesting that you say that because these young girls that were you know tweens when frozen came out they are now going out and having girls nights because they're old enough to drive and go out and do things and i can see little packs of girls little teenage girls coming out to see frozen if they think it's cool enough that's that's the thing you never know with teenage girls and it is cool enough to it all is to all the teenagers listening and the preteens listening it's very cool come see frozen now i i i have a question oh. when was the last time in the uh theater package was there a straight play because i was trying to recall one that i can't think that there that there's been a non-musical in the package well there has uh a 2000 uh i want to say 10 um maybe nine um august uh, august osage county and then which i love that Oh, I know. And before that, oh, that set was unbelievable. And before that, doubt, because that was when the Fox partnered with the rep and Cherry Jones, the Cherry Jones was going to be in the the doubt at the Fox. And I was there press night and she had laryngitis. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. So. So that was bad. Well, to kill him. So it's been it's been about at least a dozen years. Well, we yeah. had we had War Horse actually in oh, yeah. uh, 2013, 2014. So, um, but it's still been almost a decade. Uh, so that's you're totally right. We don't often do plays, um, just because you know so few plays will tour, and making sure we find a play that is an event, something that, you know, we have a large theater and a large stage and we really want to make sure if we're programming a play that it's something special. And this production, it's a landmark production. It, I mean, just a massive hit on Broadway. Uh, and it's such an iconic book and movie. I mean, whether you love Gregory Peck in the movie or you read the book in middle school or high school or whenever, like, it is such a beloved show uh, and title. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to have this. And, and you know, it really adds to the mix that my this season, this should be, we want something for everyone. And I really think uh, this is a nice mix. We um, didn't say the name of the play. It's To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> starring John Boy. Yeah. Yes. No. Uh, yes. Richard Thomas. Now, mm-hmm. I had the privilege to see it in New York at the Schubert Theater with Jeff Daniel. And Mm -hmm. it was incredible. You could have heard a pin drop. It was uh, just, it was so hard to get tickets for that. It was sold out all the time. And uh, we we were able to snag tickets. And 
it was one of the greatest experiences of my playgoing life. Uh, Bartlett Sure. Is it sure or sure? I never know. <laughs> I never know. But he's just one of the most brilliant theater directors of all time. He keeps everything moving, and it's Aaron Sorkin's script, and they made it because it is To Kill a Mockingbird, so you know what you're getting. But they made it seem like you were seeing it for the first time. They made the kids a little older. Scout was played by Tony Winner, Celia uh, Bolger. What's her Keegan? Yeah, Celia Keenan Bolger. <laughs> yeah, Keenan, yeah, I'm ta I'm screwing up the names, and uh, she was Scout. Brilliant, mm -hmm. Jeff Daniels. Brilliant, everybody in it was so good. Uh, uh, the kid Gideon. I love Gideon Glick. Yes. yes. Oh, um, he was Dill. Mm -hmm. I love that part. I love the part of Dill because he's based on Truman Capote. And uh, because that was uh, the author, Harper Lee's childhood friend. Mm. And so I, I just love that character. But everybody in it is just, and this is the ugly cry show. I'm sorry. I just... It's so affecting yeah. and it's such a powerful story. It is timeless. And it, uh, one of the things Aaron Sorkin, cause he's so brilliant at dialogue. One of the things he does, uh, the, the relationship between Atticus Finch and scout is so beautifully rendered on the stage. And one of the things is her great respect for her father as a lawyer and she talks about all rise, all rise, meaning he was so powerful to believe in the justice system and to believe in the, the you know, the, uh, the, the power, the rule of law, which we kind of lose sight of these days. And so it really reinforces the rule of law, the power to change and, and all that. And it's just brilliant. So I'm really happy it's going on tour. I heard oh. that it was going to go on tour. Now, after Jeff Daniels left, Ed Harris came in. Mm -hmm. And so did Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so they've been pulling in these phenomenal actors. I mean, it's an iconic character and such a well-adapted part. I mean, Aaron Sorkin did such a phenomenal job in you know, keeping to the heart and the story, but making it so theatrical and so it, in such a real way. Um, so it's such a killer part. But one of the cool things we have in this tour also is um, the original scout, Mary Badham from the movie is in the touring production. Of oh my gosh. He's not playing scout, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it'd be a very different take. We do have adults playing the children, but um not Mary, uh, but no, she, so she's going to, she's playing like the neighbor in this. And oh, okay. It's really cool to have, you know, someone. The drug addicted neighbor. I mean, don't we love it? But it's yes. so like, what a full circle kind of incredible moment. That is, and it is like the most successful straight play on Broadway. I mean, it just, yeah. it has records. 
And no. one of the cool things they did was they brought a lot of school children to see it because you might read the book in school, but you, until you see that. Damn. And then I think Gregory Peck was voted the greatest dad in a movie hmm. for, for Atticus when they do those polls. Yeah. He's like number one hero. Maybe it was the AFI uh, heroes and villains. He hmm. might be number one for hero. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that's cool. But no, that is so exciting. And you have, um, well, I know the play hasn't gotten as much buzz as the movie Elf, but it's perfect for Christmas. And that score, I did see it on Broadway. And I just want to tell naysayers that that score by Chad Bagelin and Matthew Sklar and Chad is from Centralia, Illinois. That is delightful. It's oh, yeah. delightful. I mean, it's an incredible tune. That's the team behind the prom and all these like really wonderful musicals. So it's it's gonna be, and we have it right leading up to the holiday. Like it's gonna be so lovely. I, you know, I'm really excited to have that. We've got a great run of it. Um, it's a fun night out too, and it's based on such a great film. But it'll be a good time. Oh, just when you, you know, the minute you see Buddy as the very tall elf in his outfit, then you know how, I mean, it's just got that fun to it. And the family. And when I saw it on Broadway, Wayne Knight played Santa. I just, <laughs> and I just but no, it's just a fun, fun show. And especially at Christmas, because if you've seen A Christmas Carol 800 times, do you really need to see it again? No. No, but I'm very excited about Tootsie because I have not seen this. And mm -hmm. the lead actor uh, in the Broadway show won the Tony for best uh, for lead actor in a musical. And uh, who did the score for Tootsie? So this is a pretty incredible team. It's David Yazbek, who was full Monty. He won a Tony for Bands Visit, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Ah! So it's like he's incredible the book is by robert horn he won a tony for the book because it is so funny it is so hilarious i mean just some i will say it's like some of the funniest jokes i've ever heard in a broadway show or in tipsy oh well good because you know every time they adapt a, a movie you're kind of worried like is this gonna ha you know is it gonna be uh -huh. Ground, you know, like Groundhog Day did have Andy Carl and did get some good buzz to it. And I think it was even Tony nominated. And then uh, <laughs> Bridges of Madison County has that brilliant score by Jason Robert Brown. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes those they just don't hit it. Yeah, it can be it, it can be tough because you really have to, you know, tread that line of delivering on the like the brand, like you're capitalizing on the brand, you're wanting to deliver moments, but be something different. And I think what's cool about Tootsie is that they really took a new look at it. So it's no longer like the set of a soap opera. Now Dorothy Michaels, this fictional character, is the lead. Uh, or supporting character in a Broadway musical. So it's oh. transferred it in a really clever way to allow it to be even more theatrical. And it, it feels so musical comedy in a great way uh, because they took those steps to say, okay, what is the core of the story here is a 
actor who's going to make a really, really horrible, desperate move because he's burned a lot of bridges. Um, and they've taken that and they've made it feel fresh and, you know, very Broadway. Well, that's really fun because I just happened to see the movie again about two months ago. And I was like, I wonder how this is going to be as a, as a musical. But it was still so funny, even though it hadn't aged well in certain spots, because, you know, this is a different world. So that's good that they've updated it because he's still so he's just that character is just you know one of those uh who has burned bridges and he has he's his own worst enemy he's so self-destructive yeah. you were a tomato <laughs> but uh but uh you know that's good and then wicked isn't st louis one of the premier cities that sells out wicked so much like isn't it in one of the top cities yeah we're definitely uh st louis loves wicked and wicked loves st louis um it's definitely a st louis a wicked city um which you know it's this is one of those shows that every time i see it i think i enjoy it more because i keep picking up on things and realizing how clever it is you know i think the first time i saw it i didn't really know what i was in for and i was like oh i really like that and i saw it again and i was like oh wait that's really clever oh that's really clever what about that so it's um I'm really excited to be able to bring this back for the first time since pandemic. Uh, it'll be a really nice, not into the season, but almost into the season. Oh, I know. I've seen it so many times and I still think you find new things in it. Oh, yeah. And those songs, you cannot go wrong with those songs. Oh, uh, the first time um, I saw it when it was on tour, uh, it, it, uh, was well actually it wasn't tour because it we came to Chicago and it stayed in Chicago for a very long time. And that was the only place you could see it because it wasn't on national tour yet. And I saw it in Chicago and those those monkeys were uh like gargoyles on the stage before it started. So you're sitting mm. there and there's those creepy monkeys. <laughs> and you're like what? But but when you experience it, you're like, I cannot believe this. I just cannot believe how well constructed that yeah. show is and what a beautiful score. And now it's what, 20 years, almost 20 years later. Almost. Yeah. 2000. I, it was a 2004 Tony's that I was nominated for. So uh, somewhere coming up on 20 years now. And people just love it. And there's still people who haven't seen it. And so if they, you haven't seen it, you have center. to go. Right, well, Carl? How many times, Carl, how many times do you think you've seen it? Five. I, I know I've seen it five. And well, it's, it, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy seeing it every time I go. I'm like, uh, do I need to see Wicked again? Well, yeah, I guess yes. I do. And I, <laughs> well, and, I, and I go. Yeah, it, to me, it's like Jersey Boys. You can never go wrong yeah. seeing those again because it's just so enjoyable. But I love to go with people who haven't seen it and then they're just blown away. And after Defying Gravity and uh, Act One, they always just turn to me with tears in their eyes, you know, and just think it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. And yeah. so, so it's awesome. So tell me about this new Jesus Christ superstar because 
they always interpret everybody has a different interpretation of jesus christ superstar god spell and sure. and yeah and and they're always all you know so what is new for this jesus christ superstar yeah so this is a really cool production it is so it's the 50th anniversary of superstar i know i know <laughs> oh my god Oh, I guess because it came out when I was in high school, and every well, it, it started. It started out as just a concept album before right. it was even on Broadway. Actually, it wasn't on Broadway for a long time. It was Toronto, and then off Broadway, and then it after it was a long stretch yeah. of getting it from record to play. Yes, and I did oh, have yes, that. I did have that two album set in the in the box. The it's brown, brown. It's very brown. Oh, yeah. But it came every, with the lyrics. Every yes, every Catholic kid had that. Let me tell you. And we, my my mother made my grandmother listen to it because my grandmother, of course, did not care for the rock and roll. And so, but it's about Jesus. <laughs> and I think my I think my grandmother liked Godspell more than Jesus Christ Superstar, but. I think my grandmother liked Godspell better because it was more upbeat, even though they tell the exact same story. I think Godspell's sad. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, the minute you hear that score, oh, my God, the minute you hear the guitar and you hear those deep voices and everything, you're just right back there. I mean, it's just, whoo. And I will say, so one of my hidden shames is I'd never seen the show live until I saw this production in Chicago. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm excited to see the show. This will be fine. And they started the overture and I was immediately blown away. I was immediately sucked into it. And I mean, I listened to the album so much, the original, the heck, I even like the John Legend one. I listen to all of them yep. so much now because it's so like the orchestrations and the power and the rock is so cool. It's so good. And they deliver that so well in this production. I mean, you get that same rock, uh, but this is actually, it's the, it won an Olivier Award. So it originated at Regent's Park in London uh, and was this massive hit in London. And then they brought it over and it was played in Chicago. Then they launched the tour. And it's just, you know, I think what's cool about it is that it delivers everything you want from superstar it just feels like this fresh energy it feels you know it's modernish costumes and like so it's got a kind of modern fresh look uh without being you know they're not rewriting the whole thing it's not a you know a totally wild concept it's just this fresh high energy you know when i first saw it i think i told someone oh this is a superstar for a hamilton era Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Well, you got to have a supreme rock star for Judas because yeah. Judas is the big uh, takeaway from this one, you know, because he gets thing. And so, so many people have been stand out like Josh Young. That was his first Broadway show and he was Tony nominated for G for Judas. And if you go back to, Oh, when was that? Like 2010 or something. If you go back to YouTube and you look at that superstar, it's a very, very, very different superstar than what you've seen. But he's in a blue sequin suit. 
Mm. And he comes out on that Tony stage and just blows it away. And then you see all these different interpretations. So I'm glad they're keeping it fresh. But yeah, that score, it just immediately just hits you. So, so good. And oh, yeah. that's well, what really made uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice superstars. Yeah. You know, we you only mentioned six for just like a second, Lynn. And I know we mentioned it, but I really think people, they think they know about six, but they don't really know know about six yeah. it was the problem with six is the timing when it came out that is <laughs> that's really what happened six would have been this i think there'd be more anticipation for it if it didn't come out when it came out on broadway because it basically immediately had to shut down yeah they definitely had a rough go of it uh, in the sense that their original Broadway, they open their opening night on Broadway was the day that Broadway shut down for the oh pandemic. Oh my god! So March twelfth, twenty twenty. March twelfth, twenty twenty. They were hours away from their opening night performance, and I mean, the show has been a hit in London, in Chicago. It's a massive hit on Broadway right now. Like people are in this, like TikTok has people have taken to it so much on social media because it's so good. But yeah, they definitely had a rough moment, but they have stuck the landing. They're on Broadway and they're absolutely crushing it. I, you know, I think this is a show of, that people are going to love uh, in a lot of ways. It's it's very different, but I keep telling people it reminds me of Come From Away in the sense that people didn't know much about Come From Away. And before it came, I told them, please keep your tickets. I think you're really going to love this one but they didn't know much about it. And this is one I feel similar in that way that like, you might not be familiar with it, but I really think you're going to love it. Make sure you see it. Cause it's just so much fun. It's so well done. It's so clever. So these are the Good. six ex wives of Henry VIII. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And basically the six wives divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Uh, they, have come together as this kind of power girl group to put on this like one night only concert and kind of sing their plights. Um, and so, you know, they're each kind of telling their story, but what's really cool is that they're also each inspired by modern day kind of like pop divas. So there's like a queen that's a little more Beyonce influence. There's one that's Nicki Minaj, Adele, Sia. So you really get these cool clever takes on the queens and their stories uh it's it's awesome well i'm always well, impressed with people who come up with this stuff because it's like you're just sitting around going hey let's do a, a musical about the six wives yeah. and what's wild is these they're like the two creators of the show were in college when they created this they were at, uh in london in university and they created this for the Edinburgh Fringe Fest while they're in school. And I mean, still they're in their 20s right now. So they're super young power pair, but it's remarkable. That's so, so, so great. So you have to keep your uh, um, eyes and ears open to what's happening. Yeah. And what's on tour. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a lot of, you know, looking at what's on Broadway, what's 
heading to Broadway, what's regional and could be on Broadway, what people have rumored to exist. So it's, uh, I'm usually thinking about two to three to five years out. Um, so it's <laughs> a lot of forward thinking. So always interesting. And gambling. You have to gamble because if you book a dud, that's on you. But there are no duds. <laughs> there are no, there haven't been any duds. And you know what? I also wanted to mention, I already have my Fox Club seats for the Illusionist Christmas show. I oh. saw the Illusionist the last time, I think the last two times they were here. And now I'm going to see them do their Christmas show. It is a fantastic show. And you wouldn't think a close-up magic show would be good on a stage like this. It was so well done. Yeah. And I even saw one of the guys on uh, Penn and Teller's uh, Fool Me show. Mm. Oh, and yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the Illusionist Christmas show in November. Well, yeah. I love those guys. And I, too, thought, well, how is this going to translate to, you know, the Fox? But it was it was wonderful. And they really engaged with the audience mm -hmm. and had the audience really into it as well, which is always a plus. Yeah, always a plus. Well, they were only here for a weekend, I think, the last time, yeah. right? And now we have two performances. Yeah, so so that'll be really great. But yeah, no, they are definitely worth uh, seeing. And I applaud you. Now, this is the thing about touring shows sometimes. They might not do as well on Broadway because sometimes people are snobs. <laughs> and no. Well, yes. And like, um, I was actually, I think in one of our previous podcasts, Carl, with Mike Isaacson, we talked about determining, like, is it going to translate well to the Midwest kind hmm. of thing? And um, Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman did not do so well on Broadway, but the touring show was perfectly fine and it was, I was so impressed. And this is at the Fox, that was our first time back. After the pandemic, and it was opening night, and it was really special, and a bunch of us theater critics were in the middle of the aisle talking to each other beforehand, and we were all, you know, talking about, we were wondering how Pretty Woman was going to be, mm -hmm. and afterwards, everybody was saying, this is way better than I thought it was going <laughs> to be, you know, so that's what you want to hear, as opposed to, oh... Oh, yeah. I mean, I never want to bring in something that people aren't going to like. And ultimately, you know, it's and there's a different motivation. Like sometimes you just want to have fun and, you know, have some nostalgia, have these things. So there's so many layers to, you know, what we're looking for and, you know, what kind of variety of shows we have and having that balance. So maybe one is one musical is a little heavier and it a little, I don't know, takes on some heavier topics. Maybe something is a little lighter and based on, you know, something people know and it's just a fun sugar rush, you know. So finding that balance is so important to me because I want there to really be something for everyone. Um, and that's well, cool. That's really cool because, you know, I am of the boomer generation and Carl's a Gen Xer. And so we have uh, things that appeal. But I have friends who have grandchildren 
And that is one of their motivations is I'm taking my granddaughter like mm -hmm. frozen. I can guarantee you will see so many mm -hmm. grandmas with their grandkids. And like every time I see Jersey boys, it's so many males in the audience because it is one show that they let their wives drag them to <laughs> and they anticipate it. So that's, I just noticed this so much. And then wicked, if you've ever seen the bathroom lines at wicked, you know, <laughs> that it is 80% women there, you know, because and people go, this is the line. <laughs> you know? And it's way, way far in the line. So it's interesting to see the draw, but I guarantee you that that grandma audience is a big one for bringing the grandkids. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, no, the families are definitely, um, we love to have family shows here because, you know, it's such a cool experience. When we did Lion King uh, this past June, I was sitting there and I was behind. Uh, there was a grandma with her three grandkids right in front of me. And it was their first time seeing the show. One of their kids, I think it was the first time with a fox. And they were just so excited. And it was such a cool, it was, it was awesome to see their excitement, but also to see how happy grandma was to be with her kids. Like it was a really special it, part of the reason we do it. Well, yeah, well, we did. We, we didn't mention the other two Christmas shows. We, you, you have Rudolph the red nosed reindeer and Cirque dreams holidays. Yeah. I did see one of the Cirque dreams previously and it was really good. It was very, it's, it's amazing what they can do in such a small space. Yeah. No, I mean, these, they're, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, these people are so talented and they just create such a like fun, pleasant, magical holiday night um, where you have the songs and the illusions and the tricks and the acrobatics. Um, I really, I'm excited we're having this one back. You know, this see the December in general is pretty packed with yeah. uh, Broadway and non-Broadway, just a ton of really cool things that I think people are going to get a kick out of. Well, people really want to get out. If any experience the past couple months, yeah. people are just so ready to get back to whatever passes for normal. Yeah. Carl, and what were you going to say? I'm just going to say there's one more show that we've not talked about yet, and that is the show that I use. I actually have the meme on my phone when anybody's ever doing a countdown i always play one more day the day before their event happens when are you when's your birthday oh when when are you going on vacation when are you doing x when are you doing y when are you doing z and then we play one more day lay miz is coming back to the fox yes it is st louis loves lay miz this they is an there are certain shows where I'm like, that, like, St. Louis is that show. Really? <laughs> Les Mis is huge. Phantom, Wicked. Like, there's so many great shows that are just so St. Louis in a cool way. Oh, um, and Mamma Mia, too. Aren't Mama we, like, Mia? the biggest? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Mamma I could watch Mamma Mia on repeat. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Les Mis is remarkable. So, we're excited. That'll be, you know, shake off those post-holiday blues in January with that. Um, but we also have Blue Man Group in February. So if you uh, 
want to see some also incredible funky fun staging uh that's a great night out well i will tell you that the blue man group is one of the most fun shows i've ever seen and it is so fun because my son had seen it in chicago when he was in high school they were on a band trip mm -hmm. and they got tickets <laughs> and he goes mom you have to see blue man group so he was home for Thanksgiving one time. They were at the Fox. And I actually interviewed one of the blue men. <laughs> did he um, talk? Before no, you didn't. Well, he didn't say a word. No, on the phone beforehand <laughs> for an article. But then at the Fox, it's kind of it's kind of like those monkeys, you know? They're all standing in the lobby. after, And you're like, oh, oh, you know, because they don't <laughs> talk. They don't talk. But I got one to talk to me. Get up, did you, okay, now did you did you see this person later and then say, "I know what your voice sounds like"? Well, uh, no. Well, th what I did was after the show, you know, standing there, and so my son took a picture, and I said to him, "I go, are you Chris?" Because that was the guy I interviewed, and he goes, "No, I'm, you know." So, <laughs> so I did get him to talk to me, but I got a blue man group to talk to me, so I was really excited. But it is so fun, and the way they play with the audience, and the mm -hmm. way they act, and I, you know, that 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 uh, they're. It's just, it's just. <laughs> a unique experience and they are so talented musically yeah i mean they have such a strange broad range of talents <laughs> because musically it's remarkable because you get this like drumming and all this creative musical uh like these musical elements but they're also doing these tricks and little things that i can't wrap my head around sometimes i'm like how do you how do you catch that many marshmallows in your mouth? Like weird little things <laughs> that are so cool. I yeah, I totally loved it. The first time I saw it, I had no idea what I was what to expect, and I was tickled pink. I loved it. If you yeah, if you just want to laugh, if you just want to escape, it is. It's just so well done, and it's silly, but it's profound at the same time. It's yeah. just so, Carl. Have you seen them before? Different places. I have, and my daughter actually just saw them this week in Chicago. They played at her college. They they were just like for orient, not orientation, but like welcome back bash. They were just up in Chicago, just there, and did like a mini show for the students. Well, which that's, I thought was fun. Well, that's cool because they've been at that theater in Chicago forever. I think they hold the record. The Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so that's awesome. Well, uh, Les Mis, what anniversary tour is this? Do we have an anniversary? Or are they just back on tour? Uh, I think they're just back on tour because what was that? Eighty-seven. I'm gonna get yelled at by somebody. Um, <laughs> well, that would be uh, <laughs> that would be thirty-five. Yeah, I think 45? it won the Tony in '87, if my memory serves correctly. But it's. So, I mean, it's certainly come through St. Louis a handful of times and the last time again, pre-pandemic. So to be able to have it back again in January, it is, we're so excited. It's just such a huge, epic, incredible show um, with, you know, great score, great cast, great design, great, I mean, it's, it's really awesome.
Well, there's a reason it's still around and there's a reason that people love it so much. I will say if you have never seen it, which I don't know how many people haven't seen, but if you have never seen it, read up on it before you go. Because the first time I saw it way back in the 80s, I didn't really know what it was about. And I should have done my notes because I didn't read the Victor Hugo novel. So Uh, I did. I read it in French, in French class. We read the whole thing. And then I saw it in 1992 in the West End in London. Whoa. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, because I, I read it, so I already, knew, I already knew the story. And you'll, you'll be amazed how much garbage and trash you can make at, on one stage as a barrier for the resistance. I was really curious where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always a showstopper when whoever's playing Jean Valjean, when he sings Bring Him Home, everybody's yeah. crying and it's such a showstopper. And then the one day more, I remember when they did it at the Muni, and this was the second time at the Muni, people leapt out of their seats mm-hmm. after one day more. It's and a very powerful song. It's it's fantastic. And the more you see, it just gives you chills. So everything about that is, and those characters, you know who Fantine is, you know who Cassette is. You know, once you once you get in that universe, it becomes so familiar to you and people love it live. Yeah. And, I mean, and, yeah. And somehow at the Fox, the st- because it's at the Fox, it just feels... I don't know. It's just one of those perfect Fox shows. It is. I mean, it's an epic show and we've got an epic theater. So the merging of the two, really, I mean, it just, they fill the stage well. And the score is so big. It's mm-hmm. so, you know, emotionally big and musically big. They have these phenomenal songs. And just to hear that just booming through the Fox is, it's really special. Yeah. And I just, it's just those, and then you have a little bit of comic relief. So it's not all totally, you know, serious, but I just think uh, two of my friends, it's their favorite show and they never miss it. So uh, people that love it just adore it. Oh yeah. I have an uncle that every time uh, we're at a family event, he'll say, when is it coming back? (laughs) I'm bringing it back. I, I, that's something I can always promise. I'm always ready for it to be back. So, uh, any, anything else that's on the, on the list? I know we've talked about pretty much everything coming up, but anything coming up that we haven't mentioned? You know, I think we've really hit up most of the season here. Uh, it's, and obviously beyond Broadway, we've got a ton of great things coming up too. It's, uh, you know, between concerts and comedians. Ultimately, we just, we're, since it's our 40th anniversary, we want to make sure we are doing it big um, because that's how you celebrate great anniversaries. Uh, so we've got so many great things and especially to kick it off with Ain't Too Proud, which is just such a fun, incredible show. You know, the choreography, Tony winning choreography, incredible hits, um, great story. And, you know, when people walk into the theater, I think they're going to be really tickled by the first sight on the stage. So oh, uh, a little inside moment. Yeah, it'll be cool. But well, well when, about, when Motown was there a couple of years ago and I went, all the boomers 
we were bonding beforehand because everybody was singing my girl in in the lobby. And I don't know why that happened, but when I walked in, there were all these boomers singing my girl <laughs> before before the door opened. So Lynn, it's on you to start that on Tuesday. No pressure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sugar pie honey bunch. <laughs> it only takes one person to start a movie. I know. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I hope we can have, uh, you know, dance issues because Motown is so fun and this is going to be so fun. I actually saw the because, you know, I am old. (laughs) So I actually saw the Temptations in college. Uh, They were on a double. Which which version of the Temptations did you see? Yeah, this is I'm going to preface this by saying um it was a mere shell of the former group. I think there were maybe only two original members and they were, they were. Well, Dave, David left by the time you were in college. I think David Ruffin had left. Yeah. Cause we're talking 1973 here, which yeah. I saw 73, 74. They were paired with either war or rare earth. I can't remember, but and I bet it was war without Eric burden too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I was so excited and I was like, Oh, you know how it is, but, but I don't anticipate this happening on Tuesday because I know you have really good performers. And every time I see a clip of it, I just get so excited. It is. So, I mean, that's the thing. They have a phenomenal cast. The production is so sleek. It's so it's Des Mackinoff, Sergio Trujillo, who did Jersey boys and have been on the, all these massive hits. Uh, so they've really got a first-rate team. Dominique Morso, who is a huge, like, playwright and, you know, to do the book on this. So you get to, I mean, what's kind of cool is you get to see, you go on the journey of, as they're adding temptations and losing temptations. So you see David leave. You see people come in and how the dynamic shifts uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think people are gonna just love this one because it is so sleek and thrilling and awesome. Wonderful. And that's a great show to start with. See, you've got an ebb and a flow, don't you? Right. I try, I try my best. So get ready. <laughs> and if there's anything that we uh piqued anyone's interest on, go to fabulousfox.com and you can find out everything about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I look forward to maybe running into you on Tuesday. Yes, absolutely. I'll be there. So thank you so much for being on. It's always so fun to talk to you. And and I heard you with Heidi and Josh on, uh, on uh, KTRS one afternoon. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so fun to talk to you because I think people are unfamiliar with Hades town and people don't know, like, how is this Tootsie going to be? You know? Oh, I'm have faith, Oh, I always have faith. I always have faith. Hey, I'm the one that liked bridges of Madison County, you know? So, Oh, that's, Oh, score. you were the one. Yeah. Well, no, that's score. <laughs> That score, I'm telling yeah. you, it won the it won the Tony. I still listen to that score. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And then maybe because you know Jason Robert Brown did Mr. Saturday Night, so maybe I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe we'll hear about it later. 
Hey, always, everything's on the radar. Everything, always keeping an eye out. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, half hour, break a leg. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Enjoy opening night and enjoy the season. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. And thanks, thanks for John. your time. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. No, this has been great. Appreciate it. Wow. Oh, I'm waving to you. I can't, I turned my camera off because I'm still driving. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll talk to thanks, you guys. John. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. So, Lynn, it was fun. Lynn, there's only one movie out this weekend. And, you know, we didn't even talk about last week's number one movie that I had no idea what it was. And when someone said, hey, the number one movie last weekend, I'm like, uh, I didn't know what that horror film was because they didn't screen it for us and they didn't even try to get us to see it. No, what was that? Was it Benevolence? Well, there's Barbarian this week. That was, no, no, it was last week. I don't know. See, I don't even know about it. But there's only Alex. one movie that's out this week. Well, actually, there's three, but we uh, did not uh, get to see them because... First of all, Pearl is the prequel to X, and because I didn't see X, and right. Alex did, Alex McPherson, who writes for PopLifeSTL.com, he really wanted to see it, and I said, go for it, because I don't know if I should see, I'm supposed to see X first, then Pearl, but he loves this Mia Goth that is in there. Yeah, and they're, they're making a third one now. Yeah, so that's so that's out today. And then there is The Woman King with Viola Davis. Now, the reason we did not see it is because they only showed it to us last Friday. And I was at the Black Rep watching The African Company Presents Richard III. So, you know, that when they have a screening on a Friday, which is like unheard of. Rare. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever had that. Well, you know, you got to, if you, it's just, you know, just one of those strange things. And then they did not screen for us. See how they run. Nope. So, so yeah, I, I'm going to go pay for that this weekend, fitting it in just because it's Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rockwell and it looks fun. And I think we need a fun movie right now. So I did see the one opening this weekend that we haven't mentioned. Confess Fletch. With John Hamm. We were talking about John Hamm before we went on today. Well, he is now going to be in the cast of the morning show, the Apple Plus TV series with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and uh, Juliana Margulies and Billy Crudup. Yes. Yeah, so he's joining that. He has not been in a feature film for a while because he's been doing commercials. He's uh, dating Flo. Uh, no, he wants to date Flo. Flo won't date him. Right. Or did at one time, and he's pining for Flo, a progressive, which is kind of creepy. So did you watch Confess, Fletch? I did. I finally got a screener. A screen now, did link. you see? Did you see Fletch and Fletch Lives? I saw Fletch. I am unsure if I saw Fletch Lives, but these are very different Fletches. This yes, Fletch, they are. 
Okay, so now we have John Hamm in the role originated by Chevy Chase. Chevy kind Chase, of. because of his improv background, did more of that. And it was directed both Fletch in 1985 and Fletch Lives in 1989 were directed by Michael Ritchie. And these are based on the books by Gregory McDonald that started in the 70s. And it's about this uh, investigative newspaper reporter that is a sleuth. And he gets involved in all these cases. Well, Confess Fletch is the third novel because they wanted to make Fletch one Miramax and Kevin Smith was attached to it. And all these different people were coming, you know, coming and going. It was going to be Ben Affleck. Then it was going to be uh, Zach Braff. Then it was, you know, it was going to be Jason Sudeikis. And that just all went away. And now Miramax, that is no longer owned by a Weinstein, still has the rights. And so Greg Matola, who does a lot of TV and also did these amiable movies, Superbad and Adventureland, which I really like with Jesse Eisenberg. Adventureland was in my top 10 that year. I really enjoy Adventureland. I did too, and it's so underrated, so underrated. And he did Paul, the science fiction movie with the with the guys, you know, Simon Peck and and uh, Edgar Wright and all those guys. And so, yes. so he's got nice cred. He's it, this is a serviceable remake, and John Hamm, I will say, is effortlessly charming. And so he brings just- different skills to Fletch. And it also, it, it's it's really well done as a mystery. That's because sometimes when you're just doing a comedy, plot gets in the way. This one is plot with jokes. So I I like I'm a fan of the first Fletch movie, the second Fletch movie. Like you, I think I for I know I saw it because I saw it with my friends, but we didn't like it as much as we did. And you know, I was. 18 years old so that would have been right up my alley the first fletch is great and the the dream sequences there are there aren't any of that in this in fact it is very not like the first two fletch movies but it is more straight and it is updated updated to today so it's not taking place in the 70s it's not taking place in the 80s it is right now and it is very uh, it's not the same. It's like the other ones, Fletch and Fletch lives. This one is Confess Flesh. So Fletch actually comes second in the title, which makes it as different as the films are from the original. Right. Well, he comes across a dead body. So people think he did the murder. And I did really enjoy the two detectives, Roy Wood Jr. And a, is it 80? Oh, I took notes. Um, and I'll have to find them. Um, what is her name? But uh, Marsha Gay Harden has this uh Italian accent. Jason so Lee I, was attached when Kevin Smith was attached to it. I that's, can see that. Yeah, that's it. That was going to be a thing. But don't you think that John Ham could? I mean, they could reboot the franchise if they want to with John Ham. So they could. Um, 
Yeah, I like this is um, a good starting point. Aiden Myeri. She plays Grizz. I really liked her uh, teamed up with Roy Wood Jr. And then what's really fun is that there's a little mini Mad Men reunion because John Slattery plays an editor. That's that is funny that those two have a great chemistry and bouncing off of each other. They do. And they were so good in Mad Men. So um, that is a. Uh, that's fun but the the girlfriend is and oh what is her name the, you're the one that took all the notes i know and i'm struggling to find them oh my goodness why is my notes so terrible to read so um anyway erwin m fletch fletcher yeah is his name and that's the thing don't, don't but, call him erwin yeah, in the uh, the uh, fun fact, the restaurant across the river in Belva, Fletcher's Kitchen and Tap, has items on the menu that are named after the Fletch series. That's they have funny. a steak. They have a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich, which is a line from the first movie that Chevy Chase made famous, and they have Irwin stuff. And yeah, it's interesting because the guy who opened the restaurant was a big fan of the movie. <laughs> okay, well, I just I think the story's okay. The story could have been better, but I do like that it isn't like we're not relying on disguises. It's not so jokey like Chevy Chase would do. And right. Uh, it has I really different... thought there'd be a cameo, but I guess Chevy has burned every bridge in Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why uh, that he has. But it's a competent film. It's slick. Uh, and then, you know, his charm is pretty good. And uh, it's nice to see John Hamm in a in a pleasant role in a movie because his movies have had middle results. You know, he hasn't really burned up the screen. Well, he hasn't really done a lot of leads. No, no, he hasn't. And he so just, he like shows up and then leaves in a lot yeah, of movies. Well, yeah, like uh, well, the 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 Irish movie Wild Mountain Time with uh, Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. Right, he's the American that wants to take her away and you know so he doesn't he does have an interesting mix of movie roles but he's really been doing more tv like he's on that good omens and um he's he's done some of those things but he's the voice of what mercedes-benz commercials yeah that's that's good money well, yeah, and then the progressive, and then I know he's been in different things, you know, and he shows. Well, Tina Fey, whatever she's doing, he'll be there. Like he was on the Kimmy Schmidt. Oh he, yeah, he was the reverend that kept all the girls in. What was it? A uh, Gary Wayne, Gary Wayne, or something like that. So anyway, and then, uh, but I have been immersed in theater, Carl. And so that's where I'm, and I'm excited about Ain't Too Proud on Tuesday. 
But I saw the African Company presents Richard the Third at the Black Rep, which I recommend. I do not recommend House of Joy at the Rep. That is the it's the last weekend for that show. It is a work in progress because the playwright Mattery Shakar uh, rewrote the play before it opened in St. Louis. So this is a new ah. version of her play and it needs some work. And it is uh, 1600s in a South Asian empire and it's all girls and it has a uh, same-sex love story, which is fine. I have no issues with that, but there is a pretty graphic sex scene in it that people walk out on and uh, left an intermission. And it's, uh, uh, well, they just didn't like it when they left an intermission because that sex scene comes later, but it's, you know, it's one of right. those where the St. Louis audience, it was just very uncomfortable. And I don't want it pinned on, well, that's the rubes in St. Louis. It's just an unnecessary scene. It doesn't okay. do anything to advance the love story. So anyway, that's what's happening. And uh, the next three weeks, I have theater two three four nights a week so wow. it is yes it is fall but i do want to alert everybody to the free event shake in the streets every year they do a show in a neighborhood and they tailor it they take a shakespeare uh play and they rewrite it and give it a fresh interpretation and set it in a neighborhood and this year it is going to be bevo and it is going to be about the immigrant experience. And it's co-written by Deanna Gent, who, when she was at Fontbonne, did a play called The Bosnian Project. And she interviewed a lot of Bosnians, just like Joey Paleo did in his film, A New Home, and uh, in his documentary. And so this is really going to be cool. So it's going to be at the intersection of Gravoy and Morganford, right by the Bevo Mill. Bring a lawn chair. I know where that is. Yes. And it starts at uh, 8 p.m. And it goes to 920. No intermission. And it's based on the comedy of errors. And it's going to be so fun because it's my old stomping ground. So I'm excited. So it is free. I keep mentioning free Shakespeare. Shaking the streets. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, September 22nd, 23rd, 24th. So record the Cardinal game. Come out and see free Shakespeare. Well, get out and enjoy. Lynn, where can they find you on the socials? I'm on all the socials. I'm on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman at the after the 10 p.m. news. I have my own website, poplifestl.com. I write movie reviews for the Webster Kirkwood Times, and I'm going to have my theater review of the fabulous production, A Chorus Line, now playing at Stages St. Louis. And it's a grand finale. Oh, Stages announced their season for next year, Carl. 
You're going to love it. It's Aida, um, Elton John's musical. And then it's Clue the musical. They have finally made Clue into a musical. Now, is it the movie into a musical? I think so. Yeah. And then the grand well, finale. I'm going, to a, I'm going to a chorus line next week. Oh, good. I think I'm you're going to love it. I'm going, I'm going to a chorus line next week. Oh, good. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's so fresh and really fun and really good people. What is um, the, what's the, what's the finale for next year at stages? Million dollar quartet. Ooh, that's a really good show, especially when they play their own instruments. I know. I love it. It's the story of Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins uniting at Sun Records Studios for one evening. And when I was at Sun Records in the summer of 2019, you can see that photo on the wall. It's really, really cool. And I've seen it at the Fox and the Rep, and it's such a good show. So I've fun. seen it. So I'm really excited about, about that show. And then what else, Carl? What are you doing this weekend besides going to see my chemical romance? Uh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be in Chicago for Riot Fest, and then I'm going to come back and uh, help with housework and <laughs> do all the things, Lynn, because you have to do all the things. You do. And next week we'll be able to talk uh, about. You, you can hear me on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday on 97.1 FM Talk. And you can hear me on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors Saturdays and Sundays on 97.1 and Sundays on KMOX either before or after the baseball game. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern and Instagram. So all of those things. Which is so fun. And next week we'll be able to talk about Blonde, which we saw. And we have a lot to talk about about that. Yeah, we and I just want to mention real quick, I talked with Ray Hartman. Yes, I talked with Ray Hartman last night on the 35th anniversary of A Fatal Attraction, which premiered on September 18th, 1987. And hence the, the term Bunny Boiler was born. So yeah. there's, there's a brand new Blu-ray combo, 4K, that 4K so yes. that's out there. Well, listen, everybody, have a good weekend. Go cards. Woo-hoo! <laughs>